This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number eight. Many happy returns. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. This is going to be fun. You know you know what's funny? I had forgotten how much fun it is to just watch a TV show and talk about it. Remember when we used, remember when we used to do that, like, I don't know, 35 years ago, back when... Uh, back in the old days of I mean, GWC. I love what GWC is now. I'm not saying I don't, but man, sometimes you just miss watching back a show. Back in my day, podcasts were different. <laughs> <laughs> You see, I'm like, choking, I'm laughing. You're so going to be the old man ones. talking about podcasts that nobody yeah. will understand you. Oh, it it already is that way, man. I was, uh, you don't know, I'm in a, a, a program at school that's supposedly very tech-oriented. Well, it is very tech-oriented. I'm, people, I don't, I, I don't know how many people have asked me, what's a podcast? Uh, what? Isn't I, it like a modern media course or something? Here, and, let me Google that for you. Oh, well, my God. And then, and then when you're like, uh, <laughs> oh, it's a, uh, you know, it's audio. They're like, oh, it's not video. What's a podcast, Walter? Oh, <laughs> screw that. It's not video. Stop yeah. being a podcast hipster. You know what that is, one. It's like, did, did you see that cat on G+. I, I retweeted or re plussed it when uh, Will Wheaton put it up. It's like a cat with a purple hoodie and it has these like glasses on with gold rims. Have you seen that? It's like I, think I did. Yeah. It's like how many hipsters does it take to screw in a light bulb? And at the bottom, in like lol font, it says, "Wait, you don't know? Wow." <laughs> <laughs> well, and the I, cat's got a little purple hoodie and its ears are like cut out of it. And <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed watching the episode tonight and was looking forward to coming here and talking about it. It's cool. It's like old yeah, times, you know. It is. It was good to go back and watch old Eureka again. And you there, know, were, there were a couple of things that were kind of funny. I mean, one that I really wanted to talk about was the intro. The, the long I know. intro? I was, yeah. It was weird seeing the whole full run of it. I don't think they've done that in like two seasons. Well, now. in the old one, you know, because, the, you know, the first intro I thought really did a good job of kind of telling you what Eureka is because it starts out with all these kind of scenes where you're in tight on something and it, and looks, it looks really normal. It looks like Norman Rock Rockwell yeah. kind of 50s or... It looks or, like you know. the 50s vision of the future. And then they yeah. move back just a little bit or sideways just a little bit and it shows you that the scene isn't at all what you thought it was. You exactly. Know? Like it looks yeah. like... It looks like... Uh, what's... What's the... Ne- Never mind. It slipped my mind. There's a name that people use for like the the proverbial normal town. Oh, right. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's like that. And then and then it like well, green I said, acres. I guess. I mean, right. each of each of the various ones. Like you see the guy putting gas in his car, which is a that old that old a hover car. And then they back up, and it's a hover car. The guy's mowing the grass, and you move off, and it's like this laser mower, and and all these cool things are. are the, I love how it walking shows the like, dogs, and it's a robot flying, walking the dogs. You know. Yeah, yeah. I love how it shows the kids, like uh, drawing on the sidewalk with chalk, and then it zooms in on it, and you see that they're doing like advanced mathematics, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is a callback to the pilot episode. Oh yeah, too. yeah, that was awesome. But I, I I never realized, I guess, until having seen all of it and coming back, how. How important that actually is and getting that across to you early. You know, you see it right away and you don't yeah. necessarily register, but it really does set you up to watch the rest of the episode and kind of see where they're coming from. 
Yeah, it, it helps to introduce the kind of wonder of what Eureka is. It's kind of like we're we're doing stuff that's way beyond what everybody's perception of what we're doing is. And since we haven't had, you know, two seasons worth of episodes to show you it, the intro actually, yeah, it, it does do a really good job. Yeah, and I remember uh, realizing at the beginning of this episode, the first time I saw it, and it's only <laughs> the second episode, right? Right. But when he takes a phone call in the beginning and he's like, yeah, ghost, yeah, haha, funny, you know, messing with a new guy, and he hangs up. I remember thinking automatically, like, oh, sweet, there's going to be a ghost, like a real <laughs> ghost or something, you know? Because they, they make it pretty clear that whatever seems normal, it's going to be the opposite of that. Well, that, that's kind of what Joe says. It's like, you're in a town of super geniuses. Everybody knows there's no such thing as ghosts. <laughs> so if they're calling... <laughs> Which is funny, because later you see... You see uh, um, you see Carter kind of using that sort of logic to figure things out. Like he'd be like, like you can see later Carter saying, yeah, Joe, you're right. Which means there's probably something going on here, you know? Right. Right. Cause they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't make that kind of joke there. There's something really happening, but here it's early Carter and there, there are things to like about early Carter and things to not like, you know? Yeah. I was kind of surprised. I had forgotten that he's kind of dickish to Joe in the beginning. And, and as Chuck pointed out when we were watching it, uh, Joe's kind of a jerk to him too. Like they're they're a lot more confrontational. Yeah, with he's each still other got a I twinge had. of that arrogance going on. Yeah, and she still has sort of. She's like, she, you're the boss. He's like, that's right. Well, and I she's not helping. The fact that, and you can kind of see why. I mean, I'm not saying that she's un, unjustified in doing so. She wanted that job and expected to get that job, and then somebody just kind of walked in and they gave it to him. Now it yeah. turns out there's a reason for that, and later on she would see that, but. But right now, he she can't just, blame her she for doesn't being a little know. Yeah. Yeah. All she knows is yeah. that she's worked there a long time. She knows what's going on, and they just hired a stranger to be her boss. And yeah. uh, she does not like that, and, and it's pretty entertaining how she does yeah, and, and from, from the other from the other direction, too. I mean, the only people that Carter respect at this point are Allison and Henry. Right, and Henry. Basically, everybody else, he has... He, he like he's, he's, he's Yeah, he's throwing Fargo around, and you know, dismissing Joe and it's like there, there he hasn't, yeah, he still hasn't built any relationships there. Yeah. I he, mean, even with Sarah, just nothing's them, you know, he doesn't know anything at all about them. And, and, uh, I, I think it's funny. There are a lot of people that we kind of get introduced to very, very quickly. Uh, like we get to see Fargo early on here, you know, and, and it's funny because you see Fargo and you can, it's not surprising that he grows into the character he does because he's, he's entertaining as hell on day one. Yeah. You know, and, and Henry, of course, is entertaining as hell and has, has so much going on. And I guess, uh, and of course we get to meet, you know, Nathan Stark. Stark. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just thinking that I think that the introduction of Stark does a lot for Jack's character. Yeah. Because Jack is yeah. still being like a little bit dickish. And, and I like one that you, you mentioned that even with Sarah, he kind of dismisses her and you know that it doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad guy, but it just shows that he doesn't understand yet what, how things work in Eureka. Cause Sarah ends up becoming part of the family right? Right, right, and having yeah. a romantic relationship and everything. But uh, I think that the appearance of Stark allows Jack to, kind of play off of Stark and allows Stark to be the bad guy and the the kind of arrogant jerk and then allows Carter to develop into the nicer guy as kind of a you know counterpoint to him without Stark um 
You know what I'm saying? Like it would he, be tough. Yeah, it would yeah. be tough. And I, I think yeah. that you know, it's natural for writers to want to introduce some conflict by having characters that don't necessarily get along or characters who are kind of abrasive. And I don't think it would have worked if they had kept giving that to Carter, because I, th- I think it just it's way yeah, better to have him. him. Yeah. And 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 Stark is a great. I forget the name. What's his name that plays him? I feel uh, like Ed an idiot. Quinn. Ed Quinn does such a great job of playing Stark and playing that character in a way that makes him not a bad guy. He, you he can love that, him and hate him at the same yeah. time. I think. Oh, you're so right. He fills that role, but he's not a bad guy, you know? And I love that interaction. You and I were joking about that. Audra, uh, Audra and I were joking about how that, that interaction near the end of the episode with him where, where he's like, it's not what you think. And he's like, uh, <laughs> so he slept with her yet. Yeah. Right. And yeah, and it's it's so them, you know. It, it really tells you. I guess that's good writing, right? Is when is when they have this interaction that both pushes the plot forward and deepens the characters and is entertaining and, yeah, and all really these. Yeah, it's really well done. You know, it's a very short interchange, but it's high bandwidth. There's like a lot of information we get from that. You know, I don't think that we had ever said this, uh, you know, in the past. But Ed Quinn, I think part of the way that he plays Stark, or one of the reasons, is so successful, is almost this. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be pretentious here. Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> it's like uh, he he has this quality to him of somebody who's had a lot of money, if not his whole life, for a really long time. I was going to say power. Like he's a guy that's used to being in charge and he's really comfortable with it. And he does not feel like he needs to lord that over anyone. Yet he's kind of arrogant a little bit, but not in the classic way. Well, I mean... When they were leaving the gymnasium at the end, yeah, and uh, Carter's walking away with Allison, you know, like when Henry walks by and spells corporeal for him. <laughs> that was awesome, yeah. by the way. Um, Stark is in the far background, and he asks Allison if he can have a word with her, right? And a normal person who respects Allison and, and like is a likable person would say, Allison, uh, would you stick around for just a minute, or could I talk with you for just a second? But he says this kind of, Allison, can I have a word, please? Like, Allison's his 16-year-old daughter who brought the car home late. You know what I mean? And just yeah. the way he says it, it's just everything he does well, is, it, is just slightly condescending. It, yeah, it's it's not quite mean, but it's not without its arrogance. Yeah, it just, there's like a, it's like a mist of condescension that just hangs over everything he says. And it's not like really bad. It's just kind of dickish all the time. Yeah, I guess you're right. But when I said the thing about money, you're right. It, it may not necessarily be money, but he strikes me like something about the way he wears a suit. Uh, do you remember in Casino yeah. Royale when Vesper is sizing up Bond? Yeah. And she says something like, you know, you wear that suit with such disdain. You know? And she kind of <laughs> figures that he had like a rough early life because of it. Yeah. I don't agree with her. I, I think nice that pull, Daniel. by the way. That's thanks. really cool. I think that Daniel Craig as Bond wears the suit very comfortably. I think that's part of what makes Bond Bond. Um, but I was willing to walk with her on it. But I think that uh, Ed Quinn as Stark wears the suit like he was born in it. He he wears he wears a collar and a starch shirt and everything. Like You know what I mean? He's manicured. His hair is always perfectly gelled. He, he looks like he walked out of GQ. You yeah, and, he, and he's comfortable in it. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, guys, I was thinking that it's like two parts to that. Like part one is kind of what I think the three of us would be like that. Correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. But like 
Like for us, being comfortable in a suit means means feeling like we are used to wearing it. Like as opposed to I wear jeans all the time and I'm wearing a suit today, so I feel weird. Well, not just used to wearing it, but... Yeah, yeah, but then like if, you know, the other part of that is like not just being comfortable in it, but being so used to it that you would you would change the oil in the car in it if you had to. Yeah, which is, which <laughs> like, is, uh, like in Keeping Up Appearances, like <laughs> Richard, you know, he always wears that that nice like tweed jacket. Yeah, like hat. when he's like, working in the yard. Yeah, even when he's gardening, he has his like little leather <laughs> shoes on. And- Though honestly, I mean, the tweed jacket historically is for that. That's that's what tweed was made for. So it, it kind of got uh, its highfalutin sort of yeah. look later. <laughs> And and I think the English are behind in that in terms or cling to the older definition of it more than we do. So here, tweed is more dressy, I think, than it is. But anyway, I definitely uh, like Bond wears a suit with disdain, meaning that like he doesn't care about the suit. He's comfortable in it, but he doesn't give a damn about it. Yeah. OK. You think that's what Vesper meant? Yeah. And I think you're you're right, though. It's that way with with Stark, too. Stark is not just comfortable. He is comfortable in it. You know, he's used to it just like Bond. But on the other hand, he could do anything in it. It Like if I put a suit on, you'd be like, holy crap, Chuck's wearing a suit. You know? He's comfortable in it to the point of not noticing that he's wearing it. Yeah. yeah. And it wouldn't yeah. just be, holy crap, you're wearing a suit because I'm not used to seeing you wear one. It's like if I had never met you before and you were wearing a suit, I could probably tell that you didn't normally wear a suit yeah. because you don't normally wear right. a suit and it shows, you know, Whereas I'm Bond that way too. and Stark, man, they just whatever, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's a real like subtlety to the way that he plays Stark that yeah. really works well. It, yeah. it, it, I, I remember when I was watching it the first time through, I had a really hard time getting a reading on him. Like, I didn't know if he was supposed to be a villain character or a, a kind of, you know, just, uh, you know, cocksure kind of guy. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. but it, it, it's funny. It, that's what makes him so interesting is that you <laughs> never really right. do figure out. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> you, never, it's, you never really do completely figure him out. Yeah, I had never thought about it the way you mentioned it, Audra, but I think that's really it. It's that he fills this, the character fills this important need in in the balance of everything. And, uh, you know, I, I had all, if your first time through something like this, you just look at him and you think, he's kind of a dick and, you know, he, he's like this and, you know, and, and, and whereas now you sort of are comfortable with him. And of course, you know his whole future, pretty much. He's necessary dick. Yeah. <laughs> He's not entirely he doesn't have the necessary dick. dick, the necessary dick to. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad. I was also trying to do a, a Lebowski nice line. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually stuttered like that the other day, and I stopped for a second and almost laughed because I was like, <laughs> and then I thought nobody will get that. Don't do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, people will think you're just dumb. <laughs> you look like a jackass or a, just crazy. That happens or to both. me all the time. I'll, like even when I'm teaching, it happens to me. I'll say something that reminds me of a movie line, and I'll stop and go <laughs> to myself, and then I'm like, crap! I just did that in front of everybody. <laughs> I do that at work all the time, but I kind of try to keep it to myself. But nobody at work gets any of that stuff. Yeah, I know it's funny. It was funny to see, too, that, that, like, on one hand, they kind of forwarded, fast-forwarded the relationships a little bit. Like, we, like Carter seems a little bit comfortable with people where he didn't at all in the pilot. Yeah, so you get the sense that maybe he's been there for a couple weeks or something. Yeah, but on the other hand, they're having the funeral. And, and he is still sleeping in the jail. 
Yeah, so it can't be more than a few days or a week max. Well, sometimes when your experiences are really intense, like you said, high bandwidth, like, you know, you've probably had experiences like this Um, where you you go and you meet people or you have like, oh, here's an example. When I met GW Sears for the first time in person, Ah, it was like so intense and and so much happened that I felt like... It's a good point. I felt like I got to know them very quickly because, you know, there was so much interaction and so much... uh, I don't know, connection there. No, I totally agree. That makes perfect sense to me. I hadn't thought about it that way. You know, I, I don't know why exactly, but when they, I thought it was funny that Henry was doing the funeral <laughs> and uh, I'm like, why is Henry wearing like this like dashiki looking cloak and like an African hat? Like, you know what I mean? And it had like little um, shells on it. You know, I I think that the reasoning behind that, and you'll notice that like early on, early on Henry's like uh, non-professional attire, and by that I mean not the jumpsuit, right? I I can't imagine him in a suit. Was always kind of very stylish. It was style forward, you know, like like even later when we see him in dress clothes, they're they're always like these. uh, they're always these. What are he they? always has like the suit with the low metro collar on yeah, it exactly, instead of the exactly. traditional collar. Yeah. 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 Or 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 like uh you know yeah you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it was all very yeah, stylized yeah. clothing and it, it was. It's just interesting how the style changes, you know, because later on I don't mind like the uh, the painter's cap and all that stuff, but like the dashiki with like the shell hat. I mean, he, he looks like Jeremy Earl Jones and Coming to America. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> but you know, I, I this, guess, this might be a reach, but maybe it's also to help reflect the fact that he's such an eclectic person professionally that they're trying to show that he's the same way <laughs> yeah yeah you know, no, that's actually a great explanation i'm sure that's that what it is. and i you know i always got the feeling that that henry was somewhat spiritual but not religious you know yeah, and i think yeah. i could see that yeah because like later on when we have the episode at the church you know uh we see henry in and around it but he's not really we get the feeling that he's not necessarily like uh, organized religion, religion, religious in an organized fashion, you know. Right. But but I think they wanted to convey that he kind of is a spiritual person, and maybe that's how they chose to do it was to try to show that to give us the idea that he does practice some sort of spirituality, but we don't really know what. Hence, the shiki with hat and, and shells on it. I don't know. Man. I, I, I do like that already we're seeing the uh, the Velcro name tags. Yes. That was great. I love yeah. those. It said forensics, and he like swapped it out with corner. Like, oh, wait. <laughs> and he has one that says corner, which is Who funny. embroiders? <laughs> like, did he get that at Hobby Lobby or something? <laughs> I wanted to say coroner <laughs> what i was thinking is you're how, a real positive individual aren't you how funny it would be to do that at work because i know all three of us have experienced situations where at work you're expected to wear like four hats or six and 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 nobody really gives you credit for it they just put a line in a book and pay you whatever and then you're do, you do whatever the hell they need and i just was thinking how funny it would be if we came in with like name a name tag on the shirt and and customize this for yourself. Minion. Well, yeah, and literally, like, I was just picturing Juan, like, sitting in his office, and somebody comes in and says, yeah, you need to just do this thing, and it's a pain in the ass, and I screwed all this stuff up, now you need to take care of it. And Juan's like, hang on. And he, like, pulls off the one that says, like, you know, uh, data support, and he puts it in the drawer, and he gets out one that says... <laughs> 
Print Dude. services. Because <laughs> well, one is very uh, an ironic individual when he and has a sense of humor that says "you're a bitch" and like puts yeah. it on. <laughs> no problem. I'm on that. <laughs> I just picture that. Lackey. You say, lack, you're lackey. You know, like, no problem. I can, I'm on it, you know? It doesn't say anything. Just puts on the patch, you know? Like, all right, we're ready to tackle this. <laughs> now, now I'm accurate. Okay. Thank you for treating me like this. It's funny I want to do that now. I know. When you were talking about Henry being spiritual, I had this, like, flat, this, I hadn't even thought of it, but this flashback to the conversation that we had way back in the beginning of GWC about um, Elosha, oh, the yeah. priestess, and mm. and like the stereotype of like the the black character having to be the spiritual one, yeah, and then the woman from Geminon and all the. Yeah. Like, I always thought that that was a little bit of in BSG kind of Star Trek like in attempting to take some current kind of issues and to separate them enough that you can talk about them. Yeah, yeah. And then they just didn't go that way. But I think that I got that feeling, you know, I don't get that with, with Eureka. No, no. The one, you I know think, what I love? I think that was just one of the things I love about Eureka is that I don't think there's a token anybody in Eureka, which is rare. I mean, anybody, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was thinking you can't have like a token nerd because everybody's a nerd. Right. And I love that. <laughs> If anything, the only thing we have is the token relatively average guy, which is Carter. And that's Yeah, but it. he's he's unique. So. Exactly. And that's the story. And it's around that. So that doesn't that's I know, it I'm doesn't fit the mold. I know I'm trying to think if there's anyone know? who you could even remotely accuse of being a token and I, just, I can't. Yeah, and that's rare. token morning child. <laughs> I mean, the the seemingly average kid that's, you know, burying his parents, but that's not really. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he didn't have yeah. much of a personality. <laughs> That's true. He I was there what, to be an object for the uh, for the the bomb alpha. <laughs> He's a PD. <laughs> <laughs> Pudu what? But but I couldn't help but think. But even in that case, it's not really. He's not a. When I say token, I don't mean like unimportant. I mean like you know stereotypical yeah, representing some meant. group. And meant. and he's not. You know, he's just. You're right. He's a filler. You know. And he goes yeah. away. Well, that's the stretch that we had to make because there weren't any stereotypical groups. So, like, cliche was the closest <laughs> we could get. Yeah. Horse beaten. <laughs> it starts to rain, and he leans over and puts a rose on the casket. You know what, though? Um, there were two really kind of funny things in this episode. I say funny. I don't mean ha-ha funny. But, like, uh, two things that, that are, are sort of ironic and never really get addressed. One is that Beverly completely gets away with, with her murder. And secondly, you know, too, is that the only person that really gets screwed around here bad <laughs> is, uh, what's her name? Susan I, Perkins. Susan Perkins, yeah. I know. <laughs> and I was one, like, and, and she's the cool one. The other Susan Perkins oh, yeah. was like, you know, just sort of like created the way Walter wanted her and she just did whatever he wanted. But th- this is Susan awful. is like, she has an attitude, you know, she's like, all right, quit staring at me. Okay. This is not, my- <laughs> you're staring again. She's yeah. way cooler than the fake Susan. Stop looking at me town. <laughs> I love when uh, Fargo comes in and tells her about the procedure and he's, she's like, I'm over here. Genius. <laughs> I know. That was I know. awesome. It was. I was like, it's a little disturbing that the uh, the body of the clone or whatever, the recreated Susan, did not look any different at all from the actual living Susan. I'm like, man, they, they have some good restoration techniques. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just take a moment to realize what a complete 
rat bastard that Walter is. Okay. I mean, it, this is worse than rape. This is like the worst thing you could possibly do is, is like take a person that rejects you and make a copy of them somehow. We'll just ignore the science here. Somehow make one and then live your life as without them I, with the version of them that you it's want. It's pretty Tell crappy. me that's not violation. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't know if I, I yeah. easily I say it's, it's worse, worse than rape. rape. I mean, it's violation on a deep level. It is violation. Maybe deeper on a deep than physical. Maybe. Alone. Yeah. You know, is what I'm saying. That's all. Yeah. And I'm not just being funny here. I mean, this is real. That's a horrible thing to do. I can't even. But. I mean, for what it's worth, rape is more than physical as Agreed. well. That's so. what I, I guess. What I'm saying is, is it's it's comparable to that sort of thing. I mean, this is a this. I is don't know. A, I'd say it's closer to the. I mean, it's closer to. I would say closer to identity theft than rape. I think it's although a, not equal to identity theft, obviously, because it's really. Yeah, slightly it's, more. It's a little different, you know, when it's complete identity theft. You're like, okay, it's between the two items, but theft, maybe but it's this closer ridiculous. to the other one a little bit, but, you know. You know no, I, think I mean, question, I'm saying it's a big violation. Well, let's... It is, it is, definitely. It's kind of um, interesting to look at. I mean, like, I think the question also has to involve whether the copied Susan, let's call her Susan 2.0, if Susan 2.0, you know, what kind of free will did she have? You know, like, is yeah, she exactly is she exactly like the other Susan in that? Like, if we can assume that she is exactly like the other Susan, then we can assume that she didn't want to have kids with Walter. But I don't think that's the case. I yeah. think that she's different. Well, yeah, there were two thoughts. I mean, I had two thoughts about that. One is that uh, she acted much different. She was submissive. And that is disturbing. And because we no assume, kidding. we assume then that he created her that way so hey, that he could manipulate her into. She won't give me what I want, so I'll make a copy of her that has a little bit of free will, but not enough to reject me. Yeah, you know, you know where I was up. drawing parallels throughout the whole thing was uh, Starbucks' experience with the farm and Leoben on New Caprica. Oh yeah, that's good. Where call. she thought Ooh. that they basically made her a kid, right? And, it's like that. Holy crap, dude! That's, and she got way mind fracked from that. You see one. what I'm saying? A year older than his son. That's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not even the creepiest part, which is what bothered me. I'm like, holy crap! Yeah. This is just so such a violation. Well, I can't. And technically, too, Susan 2.0. If she was exactly a year, you know, seven years old or whatever, and, and Brian was supposed to be six. Which, by the way, that kid is like eight or nine. Okay, not, whatever, not six. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> that means that. Walter created Susan 2.0 and three months later got her pregnant. And I think that that's another disturbing thing, which is how could a person be fully considered an adult, a conscientious adult who made the decision that she wanted to, you know what I mean? Well, that, I think that's thing. part of it. If we were to ignore the fact that whatever this non-scientific can't possibly happen, cloning, I'm making yeah, finger quotes. Yeah, I think we've been doing that the whole time. Let's just assume <laughs> that, okay, that, that he somehow made this person that was an exact copy of the other one, but with slightly lesser, you know, free will, right? I mean, it's not the age that's the problem. The problem is is creating, first of all, creating an individual that has only partial free will to serve serve you. That's that's jacked up. Well, the reason Second I brought all, up the age is because our, our memories and experiences make up who we are to a large extent. Exactly. So maybe he she had part of them, the part that worked for him. Maybe she had slightly different ones that were what he needed. They don't get into the details of it, but we know that he really 
fracked with both of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so there's, there's that level of screwed up. And then there's the level of this is a copy of a real person who he had interactions with and had rejected him. That's so, where it gets creepy. Yeah, yeah, it would have been better if he created an entirely new person. Not not good, but different. You know, they both they're it's like bad in two entirely different in horrible ways. You know, I the just want to say, effect. I just want <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I just I just want to say, man, that that this guy is a bad guy. Walter is not just bumbling. Well, he is an evil dude. He's not only an incompetent scientist. He is also a complete <laughs> dick. He, it's more and yet than he a, has more than one PhD. <laughs> They're like, do you know what the subject of his first dissertation? I'm like, yeah, first just, dissertation? Holy Audra, crap. Audra blows coffee across the room. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> they just toss that crap around. Who in God's name would put themselves through that twice? <laughs> wow. You know? Maybe the second one was honorary dissertation at Dick College. <laughs> Dick you. no but seriously i just uh, kidding aside i just want to point out that i think that walter while he looks sort of like you know this this kind of just douchey guy is actually really an evil bad guy what he did was exceedingly wrong on a lot of levels and he is a bad dude by the way what i do like about eureka is that the episode didn't turn into that well, yeah, right, they, they move right, on, right. and I didn't really think about it the first time. I saw him looking sorry out the little window and went, oh, he's kind of a dick. I know. You know? I was like, look, he's in the doghouse. And Chuck's like, literally. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I love, uh, actually funny to get... Uh, he looked like Anthony Weiner with like his fat lower <laughs> lip. <you know? laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, uh, who was no, it? Who I'm was sorry, it? face. Who was it who published that? It was a Newsweek that published the list of like all the uh, 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 a bunch of pictures of all those guys that cheated on their wives. Yeah, it's like, like Elliot Spitzer, like with all, all the same the look on their they face. They all had that like lower <laughs> lip <laughs> It's like it's the look. There it is. If you look like this, you're screwed. Okay. <laughs> Don't. Yeah, but but I, yeah. I was just thinking the look on actually another look that I like is the look on Henry's face when he goes he is so good at this when he's like, yeah this uh, this should stabilize him and then he has this short look at his face like I don't know maybe it won't. Dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it almost feels like it's the actor doing that. Like you see him kind of coming in like <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> but it's true because later on, I mean, he's good at dealing with stuff like that. He's kind of the guy you want when things are really rough and they may not work out and. I don't know. He just seems to be like, yeah, all right. Well, I'll try, but I don't know. It might not work. <laughs> At least he's realistic about it. Sucks to be you, man. <laughs> you know, for what it's worth, Chuck, just uh, on the Walter thing again, I know you're saying that he's like an evil guy. I, I think it depends on how much of that is intent, because I honestly think that Walter did not really grasp the evil that he was doing. I think that he was selfish and you know, morally compromised, you know, morally ambiguous, maybe. But, you know, and I think that what he did was evil. I'm just going to go I, ahead and throw out there. But that I don't think that he saw it as evil. You know what I mean? I just am going to go no ahead and does. throw out there that... Uh, I, don't that th- I don't think he thought about it. I think he was just thinking selfishly and, and uh, yeah. didn't really take the time to put the philosophical thought into it. I think a lot of evil people don't really grasp how evil what they're doing is, and I don't think that that mitigates it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose that's true. I mean, I mean, it does. Th- say there's something a line about that you him, cross, you know. 
but it doesn't say something about him in the moral sense. I mean, what he did was morally wrong on a bunch of levels. And if he didn't get that, then he's, you know, pathologic in some way. But that doesn't <laughs> mean that he's it's it's not wrong. You know, it doesn't affect that at all. I, I, I'm recalling a quark quote where Uh-oh. he says, I never think of myself as nefarious. I'm a businessman. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, appropriate. Evil people don't think they're evil. Right. Yeah. You know how some people like find out late in life that they're adopted or whatever. I feel sorry for Brian Perkins. <laughs> Talk about like his mom. Is she ever going to tell him? You know what I was thinking? By the way, <laughs> I was thinking that uh, Allison's quote applies. You know what the, what he'll be doing? It'll be like therapy, but way more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, you know, I guess that's why we all uh, pay our taxes to pay uh, for Eureka to, uh, mm. you know, take care of all those little problems. Oh, what is that? <laughs> Are you are you like faux griping about Eureka? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I, I love the fact from a geek perspective that you love the idea of some organization having the money to just pay for anything. How that do you would know that cool, it's but... not like in Men in Black where they've secured alien patents to things and they're using that to fund themselves? That'd be awesome. Well, there you go. Okay. We don't know that it's tax dollars. Actually, we do because it has Senate oversight. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, if it's like, going through it. there, it's at least registered as a tax dollar. Audra just had this look on her face like, damn it. <laughs> it was awesome. Foiled again. I don't mean to be like negative about it because I don't really care. I think it's cool. But I was just like. To, <laughs> to bounce off of that, um, I do like that the first time we see Sarah kind of ties into my theory of her getting uh, uh, potentially uh more progressively corrupted over time. Oh yeah. Cause like even in the first episode, when you first hear her, she's like saying like one, one, one and five word sentences. Right. And then that night happens and she gets all messed up. It's like, you have been asleep for 489 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then afterwards she starts gaining a little bit more of a personality. <laughs> I love how when they play back the um, CCTV, like or whatever the tape of of him asleep, the the yeah. camera's like an inch away from his head. <laughs> like, why would you put the camera there? It's supposed to be a security camera. Why would you put there it right by his face? <laughs> yeah, that was one of the bedroom security yeah. cameras. This is far. You know, there there's the probably... one, the overhead shot of the bed. And <laughs> I like when he goes to the bathroom. He's like, Sarah, a little privacy, please. And the fourth wall door closes. But I'm like, yeah. I'm like, is he getting privacy from us? Is that like a meta joke? Because Sarah can still see. <laughs> Most people, I think, don't go. <laughs> Here's a good example. I'll no just one put, else I'm going to put Juan on the spot. Juan, I know you live by yourself. So you are in your yes. place by yourself. Do yes. you use the bathroom with the door wide open? No. Why? I don't know. Not that it would make any difference, right? I don't know, to be honest. It's just uh, kind of a habit and uh, like... Well, I've been here now. For what it's worth, let me let me uh, agree with you. Because he doesn't want you, okay? other parts of the house to smell like no, the bathroom. No, no, no. <laughs> let me agree with well, you. Well, okay, I guess that could be a justification. <laughs> so, so uh, I was I was in a hotel room last That's week I do by I'm myself, home. and I close the bathroom door when I use the bathroom in the hotel. Same thing, right? I mean, why do I do that? I don't know. You're used to you know that being a private thing, so you just close the door. It's habit, you know. Maybe it's the ultra paranoia of. 
Should anything happen, you can't reach the door <laughs> to close it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. That oh, I guess so. When he was asking for privacy, he wasn't asking for privacy from her. He was just asking for her to close it so that he felt comfortable. Yeah. To, oh, well, yeah. especially considering that there's no locks on the doors and Fargo was the one that gave him access. Yeah. Fargo could be poking around in there. I mean, it's it's I think it's just. It is funny. Like, is every room in that house like hermetically sealed? Did you notice? Hey, like, as he went from room to I room, I thought like, about that after the episode. <laughs> after the episode, uh, House Rules. It's not. Like, oh right, right, right. Okay, yeah. It, it becomes all open, yeah. doesn't it? Well, yeah. right now, if you look, it's still got like the nuclear tag on the door. Yeah. It's like it's it's literally a converted bunker. I know it's awesome, but it occurred to me that that I, it's a very Carter kind of thing that after House Rules later on, he's like, "Yeah, we're just going to take all those walls out." <laughs> I thought it was funny when Sarah's like, uh, she pours him or she gets him the beer out of the the tap, which is in the fridge, like where the ice and water would normally be. It's our yeah. fridge too. I know it is That's our awesome. fridge. Uh, she gets him the beer and then she's like, "I recorded the Indiana game for you," and he's like, "Awesome!" And she, you know, and if you notice, she starts the game during the eighth inning. And I was like, I wonder if she, like, did she just guess? Because, I mean, isn't that kind of spoilers? Like, like sorry, I forgot to press record. <laughs> Audra, very detailed analysis of well, TV I mean, shows. <laughs> I mean, if, like, if you wanted to know about the game, would you start it, well, like, at the very end? I mean, see, now this is when it comes down to, uh, you know, storytelling. I mean, if, if they had instead shown the pregame role for, for the baseball game on the, on the wall, it doesn't really make for good storytelling. Yeah. Okay. It's like, and it's a lovely day out here at Safeco Field. Uh, <laughs> we're not playing baseball yet, but, uh, you know, we'll watch for 30 minutes here and talk about how we're going to be playing the game coming up. Back to you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, when, when did you find out that your mom was somebody catching a, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Brian, when did you find out that your mom really wasn't your mom? And how did that motivate you to become a sportscaster? <laughs> That's a good question, Tom. <laughs> I spent years in therapy after it. Just like that, that kid on this program, Will. <laughs> yeah. And that was when my mom wasn't cloned to be a sex slave. Oh. Whoops. Um, yeah, um. I went there. <laughs> <laughs> bringing it right back down sorry man i i'm walt i'm not a walter fan i, I think walter is a messed up dude yeah and he has no chin yeah that was what i thought that's the worst that's part far and away the worst part i don't think he uh <laughs> if, if he had to pronounce chin, that up. he would have been fine i Let realized all the clone wives he wants <laughs> <laughs> I realized when they were uh, showing the conversation between Stark and Jack in the hospital room that they, they like showed Stark and then they the camera got on Jack and he gave this big smile and I was like, Jack has like a big square jaw. Yeah. Like, I love that. I, I just never thought about it that clearly, but I love Stark is a good looking guy, but he has like a very refined chin, you know, where Jack has this big like, you know. He looks like a rough dude. Yeah, which is cool. I think uh, back to that discussion too. I think one of the uh, I when we were watching it, I actually said out loud, "I like early early Jack." You know, the early Carter because he was kind of like he didn't he hadn't formed relationships with everybody yet, so he was kind of willing to stand his ground, and it was kind of nice because nobody else really does in that town. You know, they they have this very strong hierarchy of how of who's in charge. And everybody just bows to it. And and then there's, 
you know, early on, especially. And then there's Jack, this, you know, this very powerful guy is trying to intimidate him or trick him a little bit. And Jack's like, yeah, blow me, you know, <laughs> and it's kind of cool, yeah. you know, maybe a little bit of Zoe. Yeah. I love you the, <laughs> like when he's like, no, you don't have any reason to yeah, ask. When, when Stark is like, well, I guess it's none of my business. He's like, like you're no. right. It's not. And then what, it's is that what, yeah, you're yeah. right. No, you, the, you don't have a right. And then the best it. part is he's like, he's like, well, he's like, so you want to, you, you, you haven't, but you want to. And he's right. But then Jack looks at him and says, I'll let you know if, if, if you know how it goes, you know, there are like, any developments in that. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. great. You're just like, man, when I get somewhere with it or something, I'll let you know it? when I get, to, <laughs> you're just like, whoa. You know? And, and he's not being an asshole, but, but he is definitely standing his ground and that's kind of cool. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, what is cool is that that always catches me off guard when, when Stark says, well, I guess it's none of my business. And Jack's like, you're right. It's not, or whatever he says there, you know, yeah. just denied, you know, and it always catches me off guard because I think, okay, Stark may be a dick, but Allison is his wife, and it seems like it should be his business. They but, are separated. But then I realize, no, Carter is totally right. They're separated, yeah. and Allison is her own person, and he's his own person, and yep. it's none of Stark's business. I mean, yep. if he was living with Allison in a committed relationship, then I could see how you know it would be of concern to him. But Yeah. But I think it's just because I'm not used to... Like you said, I mean, I'm not used to seeing people just stand their ground so firmly, and I like that. I, yeah. I think that's really cool. I like, too, that uh, we're already seeing some relationship form between uh, Stark and Carter in a good way as well, too. Like, like uh, Stark confided in Carter in a, in a careful way, but told him something that essentially could hurt him. He's afraid right. that well, I saw goes. Go ahead. Well, they're they're connecting on the professional level. Like they're not letting the, you know, they they instantly have a personal antagonism towards each other. Right. But at the same time, Stark is not going to let that get in the way of of um, of the professional service that Carter needs to provide, which is you know being the sheriff and figuring this out. That is you know, the, really the, the well typical put. thing to do would be like. Oh, Stark's going to wait until minute 35 of the episode to tell anybody that he saw a ghost. And then it's going to be like, well, you know, I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't trust anybody. Yeah. It's like, no, <laughs> it's always you know what? Way. He knows if something goes wrong, he contacts a sheriff, says shit's going down. And, and Carter's job is to take care of it. And they instantly have that rapport. Yeah, no, that's really well put. And you're right. That's the the 35 minute in thing. Oh, I'll finally say something, you know, I guess, yeah. again, that's the predictable thing. And Eureka does not do the predictable thing already. Episode two, they're not doing. The but predictable. I, I, and I think it's even more special, uh, made more special by the fact that throughout Eureka, very few people just straight up trust Jack to do his job. And part of that's storytelling like you would say Juan, because it's more fun for us if we see people kind of deny jack that it reminds us that he's unique in that way but but it's kind of funny that jack a lot of times will be like uh hey man you know trying to do his job and and they 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 don't dislike him or or think badly of him but they fight him you know whereas stark really never does that I mean, Stark gets in his face and they have personal issues with each other, but Stark trusts him to do his job from day one and treats him professionally. That's an interesting right. point, too. Well, and that, that's why Stark makes a good boss, because he's willing yeah. to uh, to do that delegate and, and, and leave it thing, which I'm terrible at. I always like to have control over everything that I'm working on. But uh, he, he can say, look, I need you to deal with this. And 
he trusts them to go off and deal with it. And that's, you know, that that's a great way to to manage people. Man, this is so much fun to talk about. We have a call, though, that we need to take. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, it's Rachel. Um, I just wanted to comment on, I know I'm a little bit behind, but uh, I don't have sci-fi, so I have to wait until it gives up on Hulu. So I was, you know, listening to the podcast as I was able to see the episodes. But when you were talking about the pilot, I wanted to comment on your conversation about Zoe and, and her quick turnaround. And I think they kind of hinted at it in the show when, you know, she, she kind of talks to Jack about the fact that she resents him never being there and always working. And I think because she gets to see him working and she gets to then spend time with him and eventually live with him, I think that's where the fast turnaround comes from. Because now she can have a relationship with her dad and that's what she really wanted. Just my thoughts, and uh, thanks for doing the cast, and love it, and love all that, all that you guys do, and uh, talk to you guys later. Bye. I agree with that 100%. Hell yes. Thanks, Rachel. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Yeah, Great that, thought. Yeah, it, it always seemed that from the start that uh, her problem was that she wanted to spend time with her dad, and he was just never around. So, it, yeah, it definitely does make sense that uh, as soon as they do start hanging around with each other and living together, then, you know, things get better pretty quick because then she's happy with that, right? Yeah, and it's going to change your perspective. I mean, she just kind of felt betrayed, sort of like when her mom shows up later on and she has the same kind of attitude, which is, Jack, you're always gone, you know, and she doesn't understand why he's always gone because she doesn't understand really the nature of what he's doing. Right. And maybe before it was, I'm sure it was a very different job before, but still, she didn't really relate to his experience of it. Yeah. Maybe they didn't communicate well, so she couldn't understand what he was going through. But, you know, but Zoe does get to see how it really affects him. And, and I think that that makes her understand right. a little it, bit. It, he's, he's still protecting others in his job like he was before he came to Eureka. But now she actually gets kind of a direct view of of the result of the work that he does. And I think maybe she can respect that. I was just thinking that Rachel's timing was incredibly awesome because if you think about it, I I think this second episode uh, really kind of proves her right. Like Zoe shows up and we know that, you know, part, part of that's her mother's doing, but really it was Zoe. Zoe was kind of running away from her mom a little bit because you know, this happens in, in situations like that. I'm so glad Zoe makes the right choice. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. You are not kidding there. Yeah. If she had if she had stayed in LA with her mom, she would have fallen through the cracks oh, and, yeah. and gotten in trouble yeah. and maybe not done that well, you know? Instead she ends up uh like, I don't know, twelve years old in Harvard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn. But yeah. No, really cool. And we're going to be talking a lot more about Zoe, and, and Zoe is a super important character, and I know that she hasn't been in some of the late episodes a lot, but... Uh, but She's in a lot of these early ones, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And she's oh, yeah. in the late ones in spirit, too. She's just such an important character that they can she can be gone for a while, and she's still wired in, so... Yeah, definitely. This is the too many awesome character syndrome we've been talking about. High class problem. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. Oh, no. There are too many good characters on this show. Wah, 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 wah. We should probably wrap up. Audrey, you got anything to add here at the end? Uh, no, not in particular. I just, I had a lot of fun with this. And oh, me too. I have not gone back and watched these uh, season one episodes in a while. So. It's really fun. I love, and I know I joke and kind of make fun of some of it, but 
uh, you know, you know that good, I love this show. Love yeah, this show is, you know, is I have a place in my heart for it. And uh, oh, and also today I bought a bag of Hershey's miniatures, those little the nice. mixed candies, you know, the ones ah. that you, you always steal all the Mr. Good bars out of. And then I used to now I can't. <laughs> I bought some for uh, the office at work today nice. and I brought him in and like everyone just like pigged out and was yeah, really I happy. I used to so. totally do that. I used to like, I would, she would bring one of those home and all the Mr. Good bars yep. would be gone. And then after that, <laughs> you'd eat all the crackle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the crackle. I, I haven't know. had those in years. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. Those so, are the best, and then the rest of them. This is what I like the end of October. You go in the day uh, after yeah. Halloween and scoop up like a 300 bit. A piece bag of candy for, for a like quarter. three dollars. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that, and uh, I'm gonna shoot a little email to Hershey's and thank them for their support. So awesome. Uh, so you should do it too. Yeah. Check the form for details. One. Uh I am just getting such a good feeling. Uh, having gone back and watched this second episode, I am so still so excited to be going through these old episodes because, like we, like I said last week, I haven't gone back and watched them a second time through ever. So this, this is going to be really cool to do that kind of now that we know everything analysis. It's, oh, yeah. it's so fun. Cause you get to pick it apart in, in ways that, you know, the first time around you just trying to keep up with the story and, and right. trying to learn about the characters. The second time, you know, all that and you can kind of sit back and go, oh, okay. Yeah. I can see all this. It's, it's going to be, it's going to continue to be a lot of fun. Well, I agree with everything that the two of you said, and uh, I just wanted to call back to the beginning of the episode where I I really am enjoying watching, especially since I didn't have to give up doing all the other great stuff we do. It's so fun to be back just watching a TV show and, and then yeah. digging Talking about into the show, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. It just has a really... As long as a wooden ship ch- doesn't show up, we're all... <laughs> oh, there will be a wooden ship. It's old school. <laughs> there okay. will be. There, there will, will be. be. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. But hey, thank you for everybody. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening and for your awesome comments, both yeah. on the forum and here. And uh, hopefully uh, join the discussion, because the only thing that makes it more fun is uh, hearing from you and what you think about it. So looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully we'll have some more calls from next week. And we'll see you next week with another episode. From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.